I don't know if you saw the quote from yesterday's game, but Kelvin Sampson, Houston head coach, who is known for being fairly stern and kind of a task master of a coach, was given his team props. I don't remember exactly which player, but he was basically talking about what a great young man he had on his team. I think it was uh, Shed, probably, I yeah. who he was talking about. And he was talking about what a great family he had and how he's going to graduate with a 3.84 and just what an inspiration his kid was. And I was like, wow, that is, you know, you don't always hear that from him. That's, uh, even though he's a hard coach, that might be somebody I want to play with. And then contrast that to Richard Patino, who came out the other day after a loss and really laid into his team, calling it, quote, the most unenjoyable experience of my life, talking about his freshman year as the head coach of St. John's. And now, some of the quotes be, here are just absolutely amazing. To be fair, that quote in particular, I believe he was just quoting Karen Cipher from a few years back, you know, the whole exploitation and the probably the most unenjoyable 15 seconds of her lifetime so i think he was just repeating what was said to him i at see that time when he said this is the most unenjoyable experience of my life sorry go on well he followed it up by saying this has been so disappointing so that tracks saying, with what see? you're saying <laughs> yeah. a lot of people caught strays in this it wasn't just like hey we lost and i'm mad at my team about it it was like personal and then also just like a shotgun approach to everything in the world. In the middle of this, do we have facilities? Yes, we do. But we're doing something about that. But that's not the reason we're losing. Having facilities has nothing to do with guarding. I, I don't know that that was the moment to like put your AD on blast to be like, yeah, our gym sucks. Yeah. Uh, and then my, my favorite thing is he goes on to like get pretty specific about he was like, we're so non-athletic that we can't guard anybody without fouling. But then I think my favorite part of the entire thing is that on Monday, he comes out in a press conference to say that he, quote, was not ripping anybody. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love this, like, one of the most blatant public rippings that we've ever seen. Uh, from a coach about his team, about his school and its athletic department, questioning players' toughness. He mentioned people by name. Joel's describing... slow laterally. He's not fast <laughs> on the court. Chris Ledlam is slow laterally. Sean Conway is slow laterally. Brady's physically weak. Drissa is slow <laughs> laterally. Yeah, no, he's not calling anybody out. He's not, not ripping, ripping anybody. anybody. He just says he... I sometimes want my players to hear my words and read my words. That was my intention. If you want to rip into him in the locker room, I, you know, I guess go for it. That's not the way I prefer to communicate. Maybe it's different with, with young men in college and how you can communicate with them. But this doesn't feel productive. And, and to do it in the media uh, certainly doesn't feel productive. I mean, it's hilarious. Like, objectively, this is funny. But... You know, it's got to suck to show up to practice the next day and be like, hey, coach, uh, got anything to say or just what are we doing today? Huh? Just a bunch of lateral slides. Brady's got to go lift some weights. Uh, you know, like I, it's just I don't know, man. This is 
he does not handle any like ounce of failure super well at all. Well, it's interesting because he is known for rebuilding programs. Like he's taken multiple teams to championships, although one of them has been redacted from history. But even Iona, his most recent job, he was coaching in Greece for a little while and their team was like a championship level. He's like he has a reputation of being a culture builder. And you could say maybe this is how he does it through tough love. But for me, it's weird because it's not like he inherited a team. He took he used the roster, the transfer portal to completely overhaul the roster. They added 12 new players. And then his guys, his comment about it was, quote, we kind of lost this season the way we recruited. We recruited the antithesis of the way I coached. It's a good group. They try hard, but they're just not very tough. It's not the job. I mean, is that not also on you? Like, didn't you sign the players? I don't know. Right. Like the whole thing is is I don't know. I can't think of a word other than just I just feel kind of icky about it. Like I I think obviously he is you know one of the the most successful coaches that we've ever seen in in college basketball. But you just can't you can't act this way. I, I like the way that Jim Trotter from the Athletic the headline for his article about this. Just Rick Pitino is a Hall of Fame coach who can be a first class jerk. <laughs> I just love that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's gone to the tournament 23 times with five different programs. He's the first coach to take three different teams to the Final Four. It's, it's unbelievable how successful he's been in his career. All of that said, and, and to double down on Monday, I guess that, that's the part that really isn't sitting well with me. Like, just come out and say, look, yeah, I got carried away. Sorry. But like, I think this is maybe necessary. Okay, first of all, putting aside the feelings of the players, which most sports fans do that pretty easily, so that shouldn't be a stretch. Sure. I love coaches melting down, particularly over things that are just, you know, 100% within their control. So it's not even like melting down over a referee's call, but just like in a press conference when it's part of your job description to just like politely answer questions. You just like, can't function and you just say everything that's wrong with your life i love that so that's like a net positive for society but also i've seen a lot of people who are like why would anybody agree to play for him at this point like you're just killing future recruiting i don't know there seem like a lot of people who would want to play for somebody who's honest tells it like it is holds people to a higher standard maybe i mean some people aren't going to want to play for that obviously but you kind of know what you're getting from rick patino you're not getting a cuddly teddy bear character at age 71 yeah i mean i i guess there's people out there who want it and i understand like wanting a little bit of tough coaching but i don't know this guy like joel soriano his big man that he slammed by name is like an all-conference performer so it's like to me i'd look at this and be like no matter how good i am this this dude's gonna rip me in the media and then say he wasn't ripping me so like there's not even accountability for it have a meltdown. Totally fine. I, I love it. As a fan, you know, no further explanation. Just just have a meltdown and I'm going to enjoy it. As a player or, you know, someone invested in it, have your meltdown and that's fine. But then the next day, have some accountability and be like, yeah, I I lost it a little bit. My bad, guys. <laughs> I don't know. Like, at least give me that. 
you know, I was thinking about what coach would be the funniest to hear this kind of talk coming out of. And it's uh, like, you don't even have to think it'd be Tony Bennett. Like if Tony Bennett just said these things, it would melt all UVA fans brains. If he just oh, came, yeah. even it, even after a loss, like last night against Virginia Tech, he was still kind of like, well, we still got to have hunger and we got to prepare and tighten some things up. He didn't be like, everyone sucks. <laughs> Fire everyone. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Preferred Walk-Ons Podcast. This is Michael McGraw, here with Michael Shutt on February 20th, 2024. Been a weird week for UVA and their basketball team. Two poor offensive performances, including a win over Wake, which was just about the ugliest thing I've ever seen in my life. But uh, got that win, but did not get the win last night against Virginia Tech. One of the worst losses in the rivalry's history. Yuck. Don't like that at all. Yeah, that was uh, that was tough to watch. Just like, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not questioning effort or anything like that. It, it just it felt like that game was over pretty quick. And you could tell in body language, too, like on both sides. I think Virginia Tech are relatively early on just looked like a team that could feel that they were going to win that game fairly easily. There was a swagger and confidence about them that I think, you know, you usually see when it's like you're playing a much lesser team. But I also, I felt like Virginia, you know, again, not effort-wise, but just they looked defeated pretty early on with that that run in the first half. And that's just, that's tough to bounce back from. And, you know, when one team's making shots and the other isn't, and, and it's it's not as simple as that, but... Yeah, this this just didn't it didn't look right as somebody who like just isn't really I don't consider myself a fan of either of these teams necessarily, but I've watched a decent amount of both of them and I just didn't expect it to look like this. You you called it. You knew it wasn't going to be a good night for UVA. Did but did you think it was going to be that bad? No, I didn't think it was going to be 30 some points bad. But yeah, I mean I did tell you literally as we were leaving practice last night that it was going to be tech. And and Tech does a lot of things stylistically. They have the capability to hit a lot of threes. They can stretch the floor, and that usually bothers UVA, particularly when they're playing at Castle. So I, I thought it was going to be a tough position for UVA, considering how much their offense had struggled. Now, I will say, like, the previous two games before the weight game, UVA's defense had really been a problem. The Florida State game gave up back-to-back 70-plus points performances to florida state and Pitt, and they really tightened some things up i mean i thought it was one of their best defensive performances all season against wake which is why they won even though their offense was pretty feckless throughout but neither side worked at all against virginia tech those were like wide open looks uh they were just beating uva mercilessly in the post who didn't really have an answer and then yeah no ability to score the ball, which has been a problem at time for UVA. They have one real shooter and Isaac McNeely. If you can stay attached to him and you can keep Reese from getting all the way deep into the paint, it kind of takes away a lot of options. You got to force somebody else to shoot the ball and be assertive offensively. And UVA just doesn't really have that right now. Yeah. I mean, 
I felt like, you know, just overall, obviously not a great performance. Silver lining, better from the free throw line. Got to be better than one for 11. Can't, <laughs> can't be worse than that. Look, it's something, I, it, it always sucks to lose to a rival. It especially sucks when it's that bad. It sucks to lose anybody by that much. I think it's important to keep sight of the fact that this is still a Virginia team that among the teams in this conference is, you know, surging and getting hot generally at the right time. I know there have been some concerns and like it's not perfect, but in terms of winning games, very, you know, nobody else in this conference has been in the position that UVA has over the last 10, 12 games. Like, I think that you're still in a good position. We think about kind of whether this is a tournament team or not. Hard to say. I I mean, I think they are. I I think one of the challenges we have right now is that there is a definite, I'll call it a bias against the ACC in terms of media projections of the tournament, that we don't know how real that's going to be when it comes time for selection, right? We don't know if the committee actually sees that the same way as Joe Lenardi does or, you know, whoever. Now, as of this morning, Lenardi's still got you guys in as a nine seed. So, you know, I think based on his clear, and I'll circle back to this, but his clear bias against the ACC, if he's still got you as a nine seed, I I think you're probably fairly safe. I I don't know. I, I think UVA, unless they just totally collapse, I mean, obviously there's still games to be played, but unless they just totally collapse, I mean, you got some some pretty massive games coming up. This still, I think this team is on track to be a tournament team. I'm not saying it is done. I'm not saying the resume is finished. But I think that you are on track to still be a tournament team. Yeah, the problem for UVA is, or maybe it's an opportunity, depending on your situation. But games remaining, you have to play North Carolina at home this weekend. So big opportunity. You get a win there, and I think most people are going to say you're in regardless. Oh, yeah. Like it, yeah. that's that's it. Same for if you win at Duke. Although you know you see a game like last night, and it makes you think how likely are either of those situations. Of the two, I think winning at home against Carolina is the more likely scenario. I, I find it very impossible to believe that UVA would beat Duke at Cameron, but you can watch that with us at a. Uh, preferred walk-ons and the saber watch party at devil's backbone on march 2nd but anyway that aside then you got two games that you just can't lose so it's like at boston college which is a tough sneaky team even though they're not a tournament team you have to win that road game you have to win at home against georgia tech losing either of those games are kind of disastrous and really put your bubble status in question so it's like you have opportunities, but it's also kind of a tough schedule. You know, they can't go 0-4 through that. You go 0-4 through that, and you're in real trouble. But, you know, you get a win over North Carolina this weekend, and maybe everything's okay. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 honestly sort of a similar situation that, that State's in. Obviously, they're not in the same place in terms of the bubble or whatever. I think Virginia has a much more solid resume than NC State has, for sure. But... In in sense of there are those big games. So we also have Carolina and Duke left. And then there's the games that you can't lose. So I think, it, you know, that that's a position that a lot of teams find themselves in currently where, you know, there, there's just certain games you have to have to solidify your resume. And then there's the games that you really want to get to make sure that you you get the job done and should be in. I mean, <sighs> 
the I, again i think i think virginia should be in right now i think that most most outlets are categorizing them there and i think that's projecting out that they continue on the same trajectory they have been look last night was bad and but but it is i know that there have been other double digit losses on the road but they were so much earlier in the season that it feels like last night is is a blip on the radar it's not like uh i don't know it doesn't feel like it fits that pattern as the same as the other ones from earlier in the season but i mean you you pretty much i don't think the carolina game is a must win but it does feel like a win and you're in kind of situation where like it'd be really really nice to have it yeah exactly i think what uva fans are frustrated about is even during the times when UVA's offense has struggled in the past few years, they're just not accustomed to seeing their team get blown out like this on a regular basis. I mean, this is a fourth 20-point loss on the road for UVA this year, which is really, really surprising. And again, like even in the years when they couldn't score and they would lose road games, it would be like an eight-point loss or a four-point loss or something like that. It wouldn't be... 36 points so i get why uva fans are kind of frustrated but i also think you just look at the roster and like they really have players that are just not as fully talented like upper echelon players beyond reese beekman and ryan dunn defensively so like one side of the ball ryan dunn you have one really good shooter who teams can stay attached to and it really slows down everything else on the offense and then you got a lot of young players that are still figuring things out like Blake Buchanan I love his game I think he's got a really bright future for UVA played some really important minutes against Wake he looked lost last night against Virginia Tech just absolutely lost and Jordan Miner being in foul trouble was a huge problem early on and in that run that they were able to go on so you just got to keep grinding it out and you hope that you make the tournament because I think it would be important for this team to get some tournament experience. If they're a 9, 10 seed, something like that, I mean, that seems about right. That seems like what they deserve to be. And you hope that you get one win and then have a chance at an upset in the second round. But that might be their max right now. That's okay. That's an okay thing. It's not super exciting as a UVA fan, but there are also a lot of teams right now. And I do want to talk about this with the ACC. There are a whole bunch of teams that are really stinking good that are kind of on the bubble or out of the bubble and may not make the tournament. And you'd rather be, I think right now, you'd rather be UVA than Wake Forest, than Pitt, than Virginia Tech, than NC State, just in terms of where they are at this moment in time. Oh, absolutely. I I would love to feel... As an NC State fan, I watch our team and like, look, we've dropped some games recently that we had to have the Pitt and the Wake Forest game. Both of those were ones that I think we win and we're seeing a different picture. But it's frustrating to have a team that feels like it's right there in the conversation. You look at the ACC standings and we're very much in, in the race to have a top four seed and get that double buy in the ACC tournament. But there's not a single bubble watch or bracketology or whatever the hell you want to call it thing out there that has us even in the discussion you know like we're not even one of the ones that you could say like oh they could still make it right and and i i find it interesting and i'm not saying that we should be like we i don't think that we are 
a contending team or anything like that. But I do think it it reflects some of the underestimation, I suppose, of the ACC, the undervaluing of the ACC. And it's wild to me that like if we look for example at Clemson. Clemson and I think that this the evaluation of the ACC is uneven because Lenardi's got Clemson as a five seed and everybody seems to think that Clemson is like right up there as one of the better teams and and I get it there's stuff that supports them right so they have more road wins against uh, top 12 teams in the net than uh, every team in the Big Ten SEC Pac-12 and Mountain West combined shout out to Danny Neckel again uh, for compiling that stat for us but and they're they're around 500 in the ACC so is that not a testament to how good the conference is Again, if this were the Big 12, we'd be talking about how good and how deep the the whole league is. But this team that everybody says should be a top five seed in the in the NCAA tournament because of their what they did outside of the conference. They are in the middle of the pack in this league, but they're not criticized for that. But then we hear about the ACC isn't good. Like, I, I guess that doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand how to make that, how to reconcile that in my brain that like Mm -hmm. Clemson is a five seed cool fine I think they're a really good team state just beat them and and like it took a lot at the end of the game to beat them but we controlled them through the whole first half to me I I just watch I watch a lot of big 12 games and I I get it I see what they're saying I don't think the big 12 is bad I just think the ACC is very similar and I don't understand why it doesn't get the same credit I know we've talked about this a lot but you just look at it and the more this goes on and I see Clemson sitting at 500 in the conference, but Joe Lenardi is like, yeah, easy lock five seed. What are we talking about? It's well, it's not even Lenardi. They the committee when they released their top 16 seeds, they then gave the three teams that yeah. were under in consideration, and Clemson was one of them. So yeah. the actual committee is the one that's has them at pretty much a five seed. So Lenardi is, I mean, I, I'm not a huge Joe Lenardi fan personally, but like. He's got them right compared to what the committee is telling us based on their metrics. I do think Clemson's an interesting case because you could make the case that some of these teams, like I think metrics-wise, Wake probably should be a tournament team, although mm-hmm. you know they had an opportunity this past weekend to win UVA. They held them under 50 points and couldn't win the game. So like that, I get that that hurts them. But Clemson has just a weird set of losses where yes they beat Alabama early in the season they beat TCU early in the season those are good wins South Carolina is a tournament team right now so that's a good win but they've also lost to Memphis UVA has two Memphis has fallen off a cliff so that looks worse Miami has fallen off a cliff they've lost to Virginia Tech Georgia Tech Virginia now NC State and like I I think they're a tournament team but for them to be a five seed just seems so high like the the certainty around clemson being that high seems weird in comparison to the certainty of like pitt which is playing some of the best basketball in the conference right now the fact that almost everybody universally thinks they're out is just kind of surprising to me yeah this this just feels like a weird it feels like a weird year in terms of projecting the tournament field and and i don't and I'm not gonna lie to you, like part of what feels weird is, about it is like, and I know it's not just Lenardi, it's but 
I feel like people are being weird about it. I just feel like people are having these projections that I just don't understand. And I watch a lot of basketball. And and I'm telling you right now, Clemson's a five seed. I'm picking the 12 seed. I don't know who it is. I don't <laughs> care who it is. Like, we know that upset happens. And Clemson as a five seed would 100% be overseeded. Should they be in the tournament? Sure. Seven? Feel good about that. If they were a seven seed, I'd be like, yes, that makes sense to me. But I just, I don't really see it in terms of actual results on the court consistently, right? So like you said, good, some good wins, but also some baffling losses. And again, some of those losses in the conference, maybe I say they're baffling because of sort of the narrative about the conference that's out there. What I will say is uh, I saw this, this was last week with Joe Lenardi's, uh, this is why I have an issue with him in particular right now. But with his bracketology from last week, he kind of went in on the ACC in his little blurb that he writes along with the bracket he puts out. And he talked about the conference peaking in 2019, uh, obviously UVA's national championship year. Three of the four number one seeds that year were from the ACC. So obviously that's a peak. I'm not arguing with that. But since then, there has not been a one seed from the conference. And, you know, we've only had one two seed since uh, 2020. And it starts talking to basically he's, he's positioning this as like the ACC has been down over the last few years, which is not a new thing from him, like whatever. But uh, a couple of things, and, and I got this uh, from somebody on Twitter, Andrew Weatherman, who I think is a Duke person. So, you know, I hate to. Your mileage may vary give them that but the acc over the last three tournaments even though they have not had a single one seed conference has had six teams make the sweet 16 that's tied for second of any conference four elite eight appearances that's tied for first three final four appearances that's first uh 6.2 wins over the ken palm expectation which is first of all conferences 6.3 wins over seed expectation first out of all conferences and 23 total wins tied for second of all conferences with just the fourth most bids of any conference so look here's the deal we can talk all all we want about how people think the acc has been down over the last few years it's not as good as the big 12 blah 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 the reality is when teams get to the tournament they've been doing well not always like obviously not always we can i'm not going to point out any specific examples there are no one knows off the top of their head. Just, I mean, both yeah, of us are fans of teams think. that have had pretty bad first round exits. So like it, it happens. I'm not saying it's perfect, but it's ridiculous to suggest that the ACC all of a sudden is like a mid mid. I literally I think we have talked about this on here. I can't remember if it was on the show or we just talked about it in person, but I literally saw a reporter refer to the ACC as a glorified mid major conference recently. And that's dumb. That's just dumb as hell. Like you don't know. You just don't know basketball if you think that. Like, I'm sorry, but that's just, that's so far from reality. Here's where I think it comes down to. There are a lot of teams. There are a lot of games. People play two games a week. Most, even the commentators like Joe Lenardi can't watch 20 games a night. They just can't. So they don't see all these teams. They get their little metric printouts afterwards, move people around. And it's hard even for us who pays attention to this religiously, it's hard to keep track of where everybody is. And so you kind of fit into narratives 
And it's a lot easier to say this conference is the best conference and then have an argument about it on ESPN. And then, you know, get uh, Seth Greenberg to weigh in and take a different conference and be like, no, this conference is the best. (laughs) And like, that's, you know, that's all it is. It doesn't matter at the end of the day, but it does impact perceptions with the people in the committee. Like, how does the committee treat conferences like are is the committee going to come out and be like yeah the acc was down this year like if they do that then that's pretty frustrating but like i don't know just the the narratives around this stuff even with people like there are a lot of smart people that watch a ton of college basketball and they still like kind of fall into these little buckets of like this is where things go and i it also for, for me it's frustrating with any individual game. Like we're supposed to be taking the full spectrum of what a team does throughout the season and any individual game, like UVA loses last night, they play terribly. It's like, well, UVA shouldn't be in the tournament. Like, okay, one game. If they turn around and beat North Carolina this weekend, people will be like, op, absolute lock. Got to put them in as a six seed, you know, whatever. It's like, I don't know, man, just like (laughs) let the whole season play out. It like it's fun to see where teams might be on the bubble and kind of get that consideration. But at the end of the day, like you can't live and die with every single result and every single metric. Like every missed shot ruins the net ranking one point. And it's like you just gotta you gotta win games. That's what it ultimately comes yeah. down to. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And I, I think if if we want any sign of optimism for a perception of the conference by the people that matter, the selection committee. The fact that they have Clemson still high up in spite of the 500 record in the ACC tells me maybe maybe the committee views the ACC really positively, right? I mean, if Clemson's up there, the the logic in my mind is if the committee thought the ACC was down, and then the that same committee looked at Clemson at seven and seven in the conference, they wouldn't have Clemson up high as a as a potential five even close to a four seed. So maybe maybe all of this will be in the wash and we've just been mad about something that wasn't real uh, this whole time. I mean, that, that would totally be unlike us as sports fans. But, you know, I, I think that it's possible the committee comes out as like the tournament. We, you know, we see the five, six bids in the league. It's like, okay, maybe it's not as bad as we thought it was. Uh, because, I mean, and again, it comes down to winning games. A lot of stuff can happen. I, I think if NC State goes four and two five and one over its last six i mean if you go five and one that means you beat either carolina or duke i I think that team probably is in or at least in the conversation so there's there's still like even though we're, we're near the end there's still a lot of basketball to be played and then you know don't let us forget you got conference tournaments and who knows what can happen then that could affect those bids at the last second it's a fun time of year i love it Oh, I do I'm too. I it. mean, it drives me insane. But I one last sorry basketball thought that has popped into my head: okay. if DJ Horn doesn't make first team All ACC, I'm storming the Capitol. I don't think he's going to. Okay, it's going to be tough. Who are you going to kick out? <sighs> Literally anyone else. I no, I know, I know. Logically, <laughs> I know logically it doesn't make much sense. RJ but... Davis, you're done. I mean, R.J. Davis is not averaging 26.6, shooting like 50, 50, and 90 over the last five games. Just saying. I know it's not just a last five games type recognition. So, but still, 
dude's unreal. Can you imagine That's him great. on UVA? If UVA had DJ Horn, <laughs> they'd be a lot better. Mm-hmm. Be a one seed. Could be. It just goes to what a great coach Kevin Keats is that he can get Traquavion Smith to score, DJ Horn to score that many points. This is why NC State is perennially just on the bubble because of that level of coaching from Kevin Keats. Listen, man, Kevin Keats, his ACC win percentage, five points better than Gottfried, better than Herb Sendek was. It's only one point worse than Jimmy V's was. Mm. Uh, I mean, like they're sitting there. Gotta sign him. Resign him. He wins like exactly 50% of his games in the ACC, which is, you know, incredible when you think about what that, that just that mediocrity but i mean it's not bad right lots of teams would love to have that but uh i mean not uva uva is much higher than that so good job tony hey did you see that the ncaa has gone to a new model for the college football playoff instead of the six and six model it's now the five and seven model so sure did uh go ahead and adjust your plans Yeah, I mean, you know, this, I feel like it's funny, you start to see, at least I felt like I was seeing this today on Twitter, just people, you can tell football season ended kind of recently, because we're all like, really wringing our hands over this. And it's, (laughs) you know, this thing that like, it it was always just kind of kind of be what it was. Uh, Like there wasn't any question that this was going to happen like we all see what's happening with the pac-12 so you're clearly gonna not honor a pac-12 champion with an automatic spot although that could have been hilarious you have washington state or oregon state with a guaranteed spot in the playoff (laughs) i think that they should keep it together and they should have their normal four out of conference games they can play whoever they want but then i think they should play each other eight times and then they should play each other a ninth time for the Pac-12 championship. And then the winner gets one of the top six seeds. I love like, it. Why not? Yeah. They always say that the hardest thing is beating a team twice in a season or three times in a season. I think the real hardest thing would be beating a team nine times in a season. That's really <laughs> difficult. I don't yeah, know. I you got to beat them on the road four or five times. Can't imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then you have to alternate seasons who gets the fifth home game it's a tough Mm -hmm. tough call there that although that rivalry would probably get pretty intense yeah game three they really start you know john at each other at half (laughs) the midfield right before the game starts yeah (laughs) yeah i mean i think this model the five seven model makes sense i mean it also ensures from an ncaa perspective that they don't have to give a second group of five team uh, an automatic bid which they don't want to do they want to make sure there is as many teams from the sec and big 10 as possible so this ensures that we don't have to deal with too many aac teams or probably acc teams at this point but i think it ultimately makes sense i'm excited to see that playoff take place and uh it would force teams like florida state to you know get a bid because they won the conference they get to play at least one game. The other, the other change I'm kind of excited about them. Uh, they said they're they're close to figuring out is eliminating some of the conference tie-ins for the New Year's Six bowls, which logistically makes sense, especially as you're expanding the playoff and kind of figuring out what that whole thing looks like. 
But I don't know. I think it'd be kind of cool to see some like unconventional teams get a shot to go play in the Rose Bowl. Uh, like I, there could be some cool things there. I mean, I know that the history there is uh, really cool as well, but I don't know. feels like anything like fresh and new can be exciting if we allow it to be exciting. And I think that there's uh, a lot of potential here for kind of this new model to to be pretty pretty exciting and and i'm I'm curious to see too like i mean the the five and seven model also feels like it sort of protects notre dame's ability to remain independent and and because there's more at large spots i I guess like everything is connected though right And, and realignment and conference structures and how does this impact that and and sort of what does this look like i've seen a lot of skeptics out there that are like well seven at large spots basically just means alabama has a spot every year no matter what they do and and i just think like it's it's interesting to sort of see people's take on this meanwhile i'm just you know booking my tickets to go watch nc state play in it so it's amazing that we literally went from the biggest outrage of the Fourteen playoff era that an undefeated major conference team gets in, and now I I see a lot of the same narrative you are that people are like, this is just going to guarantee that Alabama gets it. They got in in the fourteen playoff. They literally got in over an undefeated Florida State team. So what about this changes that? Like it's not. This just ensures that a Florida State would actually get to play in one game. Yeah. That. To, to according to you prove that they suck and are not worthy of playing in that game i don't know just like, according to reality man yeah i mean like i love the idea anything that'll get people to shut up basically just <laughs> whatever whatever can get the insufferable fans of other teams to stop complaining that their team never gets a fair shake or doesn't get a shot at anything or whatever now watch nc state's gonna finish like 13th in the college football playoff rankings and i'm gonna be that insufferable fan who is yelling about how you know grayson mccall is undervalued or something i don't know but it's it's just what i like to me i the bigger the better i would love a huge playoff i I understand logistically like there has to be a limit to this you can't just make like a 32 team tournament but i don't know that attitude well, sure. Uh, I just don't like there being, I don't know. I don't like hearing people complain. And that's all I felt like, even with the Florida State stuff this past year, I, like I got to a point really quickly where like, even if they had a legitimate gripe, I, I stopped caring. I just, I, you've whined about it so much that I, now I'm not on your side. Even if I started from a place of, yeah, they should be in just after seeing some of those people complain as much as they did. And then th- with the context of also whining about trying to get out of the conference and stuff like, no, f- you go play in the Gasparilla bowl or something. This is why, you know, you at Christmas time, you walk, walk past the salvation army donation thing. And you walk into the grocery store and you're like, Oh, that's all right. Yeah. I think that's for a good cause. And they ask you on the way out, like, Hey, can you contribute? And you're like, Oh my God come on <laughs> get over it it's not a true story but uh it does remind me to- yeah welfare in my head in my head it may be true Unre- uh, kind of related to that but uh and you can cut this did you see that video of the guy robbing the girl scouts outside the grocery store no i did not see that yeah there were girl scouts selling girl scout cookies and this dude just straight up robs them 
That's did they get pretty... Samoa? Oh, come on. No, that's not. Did uh, hold no, on, did they must, have must we a do partner? this same old dosy dough? <laughs> did they have a partner that was a tag along to the crime? <laughs> oh, see that was better. Thanks. <laughs> Yeah, write in with your Girl Scout jokes. Uh, you can write into at pervertwalkons at yahoo.com or at PWO pod on social media. Yeah, that's terrible. You shouldn't rob Girl Scouts. Um, one, one thing to put a bookend on the playoff, I saw this tweet from Saturday Down South, and uh, they said that 20 Power 5 champions have been left out of the college football playoff in the four-team structure. The only time one of them would have been left out in this model would have happened in 2020 during COVID when unraked Oregon beat USC in the Pac-12 championship. And that was a five-game regular season. Hmm. So really, like this puts a premium on winning your conference, which is the thing that everybody says is important. If you win your conference, you are going to get in no matter what. And that gives some teams, you know, that gives an Iowa a team... (laughs) A team that uh, likes to punt the ball a million times, but ends up finding itself in the Big Ten championship game a lot. You know, makes that really important. If I have to watch Iowa in a college football playoff, I might just give up on football. I disagree. I disagree. On life. I think they should get an automatic bid. <laughs> oh, God. I, no, no, I reject it. 